This is Plan B, Episode 8, for May 28th, 2013. Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin with insights for the novice shop talk for the expert and opinionated discussions for the interested observer of all things Bitcoin and related technologies. My name is Chris and joining me every single week is my co-host, Drew. Hello, how's it going? Hey man, guess what? Big show. Oh, no, what? I know. Well, it's been a crazy week. This is uh, Bitcoin has officially entered the now you fight them stage and we're going to cover some of that and plus we've gotten our inbox is blown up all week so we've gotten some great questions that we've been answering well you have been answering them and we're going to feature a couple in the show okay so that's just enough show right there the news and all of that uh plus then we're going to have a little bit on ripple because that actually made some waves at uh, bitcoin 2013 future payments conference nice. thank you so we'll have a little bit on that and then uh, we're hoping to get the managing editor of the Genesis block on the show. We'll, we'll, that'll be later on in the show. We're going to chat with him about their site and some of the uh, impressive original content that they're creating over there. But Drew, what do you say we start with the feedback is customary here on the Plan B show? Indeed, let's do it. All right. First one came in from David. He says, hi, Chris. Andrew. Andrew, David. Oh, yeah. I know oh, what's perfect. worse is you even picked out this email. You know, I know. I'm, I'm yeah. the one who's going through these all the time, yeah, but uh, well, so, your name's on everything. So uh, I have one question, though, that has been nagging me since I first heard of Bitcoin, or rather Litecoin. Namely, if in not so if in not so distant future, Bitcoin is everywhere and serving as a global standard, what is to prevent a government or a group of tech-savvy speculators from inflating value by adding another virtual currency, such as Litecoin, to the mix? There are already a dozen or so, so I'm wondering what makes Bitcoin so special? It has the most traction at the moment, but if its virtual currency gain greater public mind share, I can see a virtual free-for-all, gobbling up all the various coins in circulation, hoping to cash in on a bubble all over again. Bitcoin is meant to be a virtual gold, but it already seems to be one of many. Thanks for any thoughts on this once again. Love the show. Hmm, what do you think, Drew? You got a little Litecoin in your back pocket. Are you contributing to the pollution of the cryptocurrency ecosystem? Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oh, of course, Okay. <laughs> you know, burning a lot of watts over here and messing with all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, I, I think that the reason that, well, I mean, I guess the reason that Bitcoin is getting, is so much prom more prominent relative to the other coins is just that it's been around longer and a lot of things derive um, their technologies from Bitcoin in and itself and the ideas as well. So, I mean, what do you think about it? Well, you know, one thing that uh, strikes me is the uh, I think when you look at this argument, you have to consider the overall computational power of the Bitcoin network, which we've covered before on the show, is now estimated to be more powerful than the top 500 supercomputers combined. And I want to say that again, because it sounds crazy. The top 500 supercomputers combined are estimated to not be as powerful as the Bitcoin network, okay? So when you think of that, you gotta you got to realize that that is sort of an entrenched investment. And that is an investment in hardware. That is investment. There is a, there is a business, an, an economy that's building around this mining. All of that sort of 
gives Bitcoin this huge head starter advantage where there's all of these interested parties in Bitcoin at this point. They're, they're sort of all in to that extent. So there's this economy of those people who make this so. And then, then you have the security factor that that computational power brings to the network and how it's able to, you know, keep the, that's how we're able to claim the Bitcoin network has secure transactions. Look at this computational power that is verifying the transactions of this network. All of these are head starts that no other cryptocurrency can really come against. Now, some, like we're going to talk about a little bit later, Ripple, are done in, in sort of a different way where they're not mining-based. Um, uh, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and they and they sort of have a, a completely different aspect to them. But I think when you look at the ones that are, are mining-based, like Litecoin and uh, PP coin and Barbecue coin and, and all of the coins <laughs> like that, uh, it is it is hard to when you combine all of those facts with now also the widespread uh, merchant adoption that we're seeing with Bitcoin. Um, I think Bitcoin's got a guaranteed head start. What you might see is some of these other services that are already working with Bitcoin uh, might become a little more crypto current uh, or crypto diverse. Maybe they'll have multiple cryptocurrencies, but I think Bitcoin will always be sort of the leading. That's yeah, my opinion it, now, even even though it's not perfect. But I think you could. I'm sorry to cut you off, Drew. I just want to finish this one thought: is you could even you could even argue that the 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 least perfect technology is often the one that wins, right? V, VHS, yeah, et cetera. yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. You think I missed anything? Uh no, I think you got it. And it doesn't guarantee it, but it seems almost. It seems almost at this point, it's it 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 it'd be like if. Uh, it'd be like if TCP/IP was you know say we're we're a couple of years into the internet, into the world wide web, and somebody comes along with a different internet protocol. Um, and maybe there's a lot of advantages and, and additional security and less overhead. Um, but it but, would, but there's already a lot of capital invested in it in terms of the hardware right. that, that is used to, to run on all these systems. And, and, yes, and the, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, is Bitcoin, you know, we think of it as a medium of exchange and this, and potentially some of us think of it as a store of value, but it's also this whole fundamental money protocol, right? And mm-hmm. and it's like there's this whole, I guess you could call it protocol adoption that that has happened to the Bitcoin protocol, and you would have to have that widespread protocol adoption of any other competing cryptocurrency as well. So it's not just people accepting it for payments, but it's this this whole sort of plumbing system that also has to adopt it. Right, they're hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, another email came in from John. He said, "Hey guys, what are your thoughts on BitcoinArmory.com?" I want to store a few Bitcoins offline for five to ten years just in case one Bitcoin turns into 5000 bucks or something. You never know. I just want to take my printed wallet, put it in cash out. Do you think the Armory software will pull through? Now, Drew, have you looked at Arm- the Armory uh, wallet? I've looked into it. I haven't run it, but I, I can't really identify something very specific. Uh, you know, it, it has some some interesting features, but I don't see anything that, that really distances itself from other, you know, wallet platforms. Yeah, you know... Um, so, so it's it's interesting because it still requires that you have the uh, uh, Satoshi the blockchain. Yeah, you have to go get the standard Bitcoin wow. QT client. That's whereas, getting too crazy now, isn't it? The blockchain and all that. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I suppose. Yeah. Um, whereas you know, if you have Electrum, it doesn't it doesn't require that. I'll tell you though. Here's what I really really like about Armory is it makes multiple wallet management um, way way easier. Right. So right, if, right. So like, if I wanted to have a wallet for Unfilter and a wallet for uh, every show on Jupiter Broadcasting. I, then I could track, you know, donations independently. Uh, it makes generating offline wallets a snap. Um, Armory is about to come out with an update, I believe, that allows offline wallets via QR code scanning because right now it's done by USB thumb drive. 
Um, which I just worry, like, you know, thumb drives have a, have a lifespan of, I mean, you know, I don't know about 10 years. I just don't know. I, maybe they'd be yeah. fine. Maybe they wouldn't. Armory is available on all platforms. Uh, it's super easy to get rolling on just about everything. I really uh, think the guy that's, uh, I think it's just maybe primarily one person. I think this person really knows his stuff based on some of the stuff I was reading and the guides and, and the way he's doing stuff. I'm really impressed with it. I think I'm going to switch over to Armory myself. And the wallet management uh, thing, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know of any platforms that allow you to operate with multiple wallets because you can keep like one or two live and you, keep, you can keep your private keys encrypted separately from your, your live wallets and cold storage, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, what, I mean, it's better for security. If you're, whole, if you're, if you're using that application you know, to, to, to make transactions, you can have a couple of Bitcoins over in this wallet, but you can keep your other wallets in cold storage. Here's a little blurb from their site. It says it allows you to maintain multiple wallets with or without encryption, which is nice. You can, when I set it up, when I was playing with it, you know, I, I set up a passphrase and it encrypts the wallet. Uh, and then, and I think it even does like a seed where you can, if you lose the wallet, you can use the seed. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, when I set it up, it, it does this, it does this whole, um, this whole system where it generates like this printout and this printout contains a lot of codes on it. And you, and then you take this printout and you put it in a safe. And if you were to, if your machine were to blow up, you would take that and you would enter that, that, that sequence back in. And I believe it restores your wallet. Yeah, it should regenerate your private and public key pairs. So. Yeah, so that is huge for backup. It's a great purposes. way for backup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and you could always, and if you're crazy, you could always take a PDF snapshot of it or something. Um, it also has standard and advanced modes, which is kind of nice. I, I think the I think the offline. I mean, when you go when you're talking about ultimate security, maybe as long as you do it right, all offline is, you know, as long as your place doesn't burn down. Yeah, yeah, you're good. Encrypt so, it and send it up to the server somewhere onto the cloud. Uh, so I'm gonna probably. I kind of was thinking about uh, doing a segment on it in the future because I I I like the way it generates um payment addresses too. I like the way it manages that. It it'll it'll also generate you. When you when you generate a new payment address, it can also on the fly create a little HTML embed code for the QR code and stuff. Oh wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> I have some ideas for that. So we might oh. we might yeah we might cover that in the future. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we uh, move on from the feedback? We're gonna cover uh, some uh, some more in the uh, latter half of the show. We got a voicemail that we want to get to. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call the show one three fifty two fifty eight Plan B. That's one three fifty two fifty eight seven five two six two leave us a voicemail and we'll play it or send us a text you can do that too we'll take those or you can email the show plan b at jupiterbroadcasting.com or use our contact form you can just find a link for that at the top of our website and uh, we love your feedback we love to hear from you guys so drew before we get to our guest why don't we get to a little news Mm-hmm. Yeah, some some uh, recent news actually with this first topic here, right? Yeah, man. This uh, so the, I, it was this morning, right? That we heard from OKPay OK that uh, they were discontinuing their work with Bitcoin. They're taking, I guess, a hiatus. Right, right. And this kind of is big news in the sense that it was they made a big splash back in March of 2012, saying they were going to do the complete Bitcoin integration for OKPay. OK um, and there's a lot of hubbub, but Mt. Gox went to the public fairly quick this time. Instead of letting rumors fly, they went and made a public statement right away saying, you know, we're going to slowly wind down okay pay. You can withdraw what you put in. You know, essentially, we're emptying out the Mt. Gox account. And uh, we're going to wrap up our uh, our relationship with them. But uh, we wish okay pay well. And uh, if they'd like a handy in the future, we'll be here for them. It's kind of weird to see, you know, these different payment processors or, or different uh, means to get money into, you know, exchanges, like a couple of them going down in a short period of time. It makes you wonder, like, what, because they didn't really state that uh, exact reason otherwise, uh, or other than uh, what they spoke about 
in uh, let's see, in the last week we've had um Satoshi Dice discontinue operations in the US. We've had Diwala uh cease operation with uh, Mt. Gox and uh we've had uh uh the DHS uh, Mt. Gox situation. We had Liberty Reserve shut down um mm-hmm. and yep. in a very public display with press conferences and being labeled the number one cyber crime money money laundering. Yeah, six uh, billion dollars in money laundering right. across right. seventeen countries or something. Um, and now you see OK Pay doing this. Now the question is: Is OK Pay just getting a little scared, or is there something else at play? Yeah, are they getting any kind of pressure? I mean, are they worried about you know some of their their legal aspects getting those things in order? Maybe. I mean, because I mean I don't know. I mean, they, I've heard they don't a little really... scuttlebutt. You want to hear a little scuttlebutt? Yeah, yeah. Well, Bitcoin Magazine will, is postu is uh, well. I don't know if that's the right. They they have a theory. Uh, they've been monitoring the uh, Bitcoin Talk Forum, and they noticed that uh, it seemed like it was possible there was a double spend attack against OKPay that um, happened during the last fork. I'm not I'm not entirely clear on this because this, like I said, I haven't really seen this reported uh, anywhere else. But uh, uh, see if I if I'm reading through the article, it says OKPay's trust in the uh, viability of Bitcoin in their system may have been shaken after an OKPay user reported on Bitcoin Talk Forum they had successfully double spent over 211 Bitcoin to OKPay and a separate address controlled by the user during the blockchain fork of the 12th of March 2013. The same user also reported that approximately 65 Bitcoin had been sent separately to OKPay and was not successfully credited to the appropriate account. Somewhat of a standoff then ensued, but was resolved with OKPay refunding the 65 Bitcoin only after the customer returned the double-spent 211 Bitcoin. OK Support confirmed the situation on a Bitcoin Talk form thread started by the double spender. That might have an influence because that's uh, 211 BTC. That's that's a pretty good sum. And I wonder if maybe their system was using, I mean, I don't know what could have happened here. I don't know if this is related or not, but you, it is interesting. And it, But that, again, that was back in uh, probably March, right? Yeah, it was so, a little while back. So they had some time. So it might be something else, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's it's interesting to watch where OKPay goes, and as we see these um, funding options draw down from Mt. Gox, we do have to wonder how it's going to affect the price. And this is something that uh, I want to talk to uh, the Genesis Block guy from, uh, because they've been writing some interesting posts on this. So I uh, I think this is probably a good time to call him up and get them and get his thoughts on this. Yeah, my my guess is actually that OKPay is not a primary funding source for them. Uh, most of their most of their volume is likely coming from the United States. Um, I think that BitInstant's going to take over a lot of the um, the remaining U.S. dollar transfers that they're going to see. Um, there's definitely going to be a, a hurt to some flow, and I, I think that Gox has some underlying fundamental issues that they have to deal with outside of losing one or more individual uh, payment processors. Right. Yeah, that's a very good point. It was uh, it was a great piece though, and uh, there's some great visuals on it too, which make it much easier to digest. And it's interesting to compare that piece to uh, also something you ran recently. Uh, how 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 while maybe the trading volume is at the lowest we've seen since December, price is actually potentially stabilizing. Maybe you never know, but potentially we could be about to see a little boost. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even I'm assuming you're referring to the article that we wrote the following day. Yeah. Uh, that actually referenced that that low volatility. Right. Is Bitcoin um, prime for a major move higher? Was the time? Yeah. Um, so actually, it was within the first 24 hours after that piece was published, uh, we actually saw about a something like a 12 percent gain over the next 24 hours. 
Um, and what you see there is that um, that low volatility can actually work, especially when there's there's headwinds like uh, Dwala coming in and losing their their funding source. That kind of all, that kind of uh, headwinds when it when you see that sort of price consolidation and low volume, um, what you'll see is that that's actually a uh, that stabilization point makes a nice jump off for another move higher. Um, and the fact that the Dwala the Dwala loss didn't send things down terribly um, showed that there was still overhanging confidence within the market. Um, and I wouldn't be uh, you know the uh, there were still underlying fundamentals that uh, helped it drive higher. And right. you know I, I would expect that to continue. We ran into some Liberty Reserve uh, issues with in terms of the fundamental side of things, but I would I would still maintain the general sentiment. Do you think all of this stuff, even the Liberty Reserve and and the Dwala and OKP, you think all of it in the big scheme of things is just a blip? Well, you know what's interesting, right? So on a on a one-off basis, it's a, obviously a negative. Um, but what you start to see is that as these individual players disappear, it only reinforces the notion that Bitcoin is not a company, right? I mean, Bitcoin's still out there; people are still trading it. Um, Liberty Reserve is gone. Dwala's gone as a funding source. Who knows if Gox will even be around in in another month from now? But what we see is that um, as these companies disappear, Bitcoin is still there. Um, and so as the market starts to get used to these um, big names dropping in or out. Um, you start to see that it's actually not as impactful as people might think. Yeah, yeah, that does seem to definitely be the case. So, Greg, uh, I, I've been really impressed with the site. I've been following it for a couple of weeks. How long has the Genesis block been around? Uh, we started in March. Uh, we we had been kind of putting some ideas together for, I mean, we've been in Bitcoin for a number of years now, and we started really looking for a place to find some deep, thorough analysis, and we hadn't found a great spot for that. You know, I read The Economist a lot and there was nothing like that for Bitcoin. So we figured, hey, if we're having the conversations anyway, we may as well put them on paper, see if anyone else wants them. That's that's awesome. And one of the things I love about it is uh, there's there's a place for content aggregation where people will just take a what other stuff is being written. But you guys, are, a lot of the stuff is, you know, it's it's completely original. It's backed up with some charts and data and history and some perspective. So it feels like there's some deep understanding and being matched with original content. That I really dig. So I'm, I'm, I really wanted to, you know, kind of get the word about, word out about the genesisblock.com because I've been really impressed. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. Now, so I, I just kind of curious, as you, like you mentioned, you've been in Bitcoin for a little while. Uh, where do you see things going, and what kind of is the big story in your mind right now? Uh, I mean, you can't overlook the regulatory compliance issue. Um, what we're what we're seeing is that for the time being, especially in the United States, with so much um, FinCEN regulation and Homeland Security regulation around money laundering, is that Companies are going to have to play by the rules until we're in a position to change the rules, right? So you see, Gox lost Wallet because they misfiled on their um, right. on their bank account you know, when they when they opened their bank account. Liberty Reserve, I I think we're going to see a lot of things coming out of that. Um, but w- what you see is that there's going to need to be some legal precedents in court, perhaps even uh, before any really big players are going to get involved. Um, and these cases, they're going to be unfortunate but necessary. Um, and it's it's clear that the regulators just don't understand how Bitcoin fits into the traditional framework. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's going to be a lot of sort of figuring this out over the next few uh, months or even potentially years plus um, as people start to turn a new technology into a framework that they're familiar with. Something that uh, I haven't seen much on the site, and obviously because your site the tagline is uh, the foundation for all things Bitcoin. What are your thoughts on the cryptocurrencies? We seem to see, get a lot of audience interest. A lot of people are asking us about cryptocurrencies. What are your thoughts there? In, in terms of the broader space outside of Bitcoin yeah. itself? Yeah, exactly. You know, it's a really interesting question. Um, until something is so much marginally better than Bitcoin, it's unlikely that 
um, one of them is really going to take off um, just because of the network effects that Bitcoin has. All, the underlying value of all of these is just the fact that anybody accepts it, right? And Bitcoin is a, you know, it's a living technology. It's not static in any way. We're still in beta. Um, so to think that there's something that's going to be so much dramatically better than Bitcoin would be surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, it's kind of been our consensus, too. Um, all right. Well, I just kind of had one question I want to throw at you, and it's kind of an odd one. But as somebody who follows the Bitcoin news and, and watches the trends, is there any trends or stories out there right now that you feel aren't getting enough exposure? Uh, you know what? I, I think there's going to be a lot over the next couple months and years around consumer protection. Mm. Um, and even people in the space, you know, we see so much about how are, what's going to drive merchants to accept it, what's going to drive people to use it um, as a transactional currency. Right. And uh, where we are now is that, um, you know, so often the question comes up, oh, I'll have my credit card if I make a purchase there and something's fraudulent or um, if I want a refund and something was wrong with the sale, then I can get it back and I have these consumer protections. Um, you know, and so often we hear that it doesn't exist with Bitcoin because there's no chargebacks, but I find that as a surprisingly narrow view for such a forward-thinking community. And so often do we just concede that that's the case. Um, I, I think that we're going to see a lot of things over the next probably 12 months where, um, you know, it could be things like a, a registry of wallets with BitPay, um, where companies, as they as they do their transactions with, with BitPay, you can go back and verify that that transaction actually happened with that merchant. Right? There's going to be a lot of things for accountability with merchants and with consumers um, that are going to make this a lot more accommodating for what people are used to. Uh, very very well said. I think you're probably uh, dead on right. Uh, all right, one last thing before we go. I, I just noticed you're getting uh, some good traffic on this uh, article you guys posted this morning. title of it was, at this rate, the last new BTC will be issued 15 to 55 years ahead of schedule. Is this, uh, is this the effect of the Bitcoin network just growing at an insane rate? Yeah, that's absolutely what it is. What you see is that the network is set to adjust to um, average 10 minutes between blocks. Yeah. And the way that it does that is it references the last 2016 blocks, which is supposed to be about two weeks of, of transactions. Um, but what that, what that means is that it's always, it's always growing one step behind. The difficulty is always growing one step behind the hash rates. Right. Um, at least during these periods of dramatic growth, which, I mean, we are, we're starting to see um, more ASICs starting to, starting to ship in the tens of thousands of units range. Um, so this growth is not going to change anytime soon. Um, but you know, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a positive or negative, it's just a thing that is, um, we are very much, you know, we kept seeing that 2140 is the final issuance date. Right. Um, we, you know, we don't take anything at face value, so we decided to dig in. We noticed that we're ahead of where we were and you know, we, we basically just talk in that article about what would happen that's, if the trends like this continue. That's awesome because I think a lot of people who are into Bitcoin just, you know, they take it as gospel. Well, it's 21. 2140. Yeah, hey. exactly. It's always, that's what it's going to be. And yeah. uh, you guys sat down and looked, you did the math yourself and said, you know what, actually, <laughs> we're really growing here. Well, uh, it's fascinating stuff. So I want everyone that's listening to go get a little reading on over at thegenesisblock.com. And uh, Greg, you guys keep up the great work, okay? Thanks, fellas. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. We'll talk to you soon. Yep, have a good one. All right, Mr. Drew. So that that was that was Greg, and uh, we'll have a link to a couple of their more recent articles in the show notes. And I I I guess I must have found them pretty close to when they launched. If they launched back in March, that was one of the. Questions. I know I didn't know they were they were that recent, but they are. It's a great site. They got a lot of cool info on there. Yeah, yeah, and that that article about uh, generating uh, hitting uh, hitting the Bitcoin mark maybe fifty five years earlier is uh, like hitting sitting at the top of the Bitcoin subreddit today. <laughs> yeah. Do you, on, on that on that note, I mean, do you think? 
Do you think they're going to try to change the protocol in any way to maybe adjust for this or at least delay it? I mean, to offset it, to try to maintain the actual 10 minute average? Like, is there any real need for that? Do you yeah, think? you know, OK, I don't know. Is it hurting anything? I don't know if what it hurts if we get to them earlier by that. And, by and it's a very short period of time, you know, yeah. in terms of like average. Right. So we're talking about like nine minutes and something seconds. Right. The other block. thing is, it seems like maybe we'll get to a point where we can only get the ASICs or whatever it is so fast. Not like I'm not trying to like be the guy who says 640 kilobytes of RAM is all you'll ever need. I'm not trying to say that. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is like that we're at the very early days of that technology where we're just making like, you know, back in the early days of the Pentium where you were having here's another 200 megahertz, another, you know, but really now look at the Intels, right? They've they've like they're all the three three point eight gigahertz is like the max yeah, they really yeah. go to. Right. We've kind of kind of slowing there, but we're maybe going multi-core and we're going horizontally instead of vertically. Are you attributing it to like the the sudden presence of ASICs within the network? Yeah, because I mean, they're just firing on for the first time right now, and and it's been like that. But Bitcoin, I think, is going to go. It's still in the grassroots stage, but eventually the mining is going to have to go all to the pros with the data centers. Right, right. And then it seems like market forces will stabilize it potentially. I don't know. I don't know. You know, we talked a little bit about uh, uh, you know hostility with uh, with uh, governments and and. Um, Dwala and all those DHS and all that stuff kind of getting cracked down. And we, you, you gave it a quick mention in last week's episode, but Canada could become the safe haven of the Bitcoin yeah. exchange. Our Bitcoin friends to the north. Indeed. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, so oh, yeah. Canada has FinTrack, which is basically similar to uh, the FinCEN that the U.S. <laughs> has, that the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. Uh, and uh, they've released some guidelines that uh, say that, you know, Bitcoin is it's cool, man. It's it, you really don't have to worry about it, and uh, they're going to kind of take a hands off. They say that uh, they that their job is to facilitate the detection, deterrence, and prevention of money laundering and terrorist financing activities, of course. Um, and they say if you're a casino, a life insurer, an accountant, a securities dealer, or a dealer in precious metals in Canada, among others, you'll need to report to FinTrack in certain cases. If you're a money services business, you'll need to register with FinTrack, namely as a compliance officer, and implement periodic reviews of your compliance regime, right? That doesn't sound so bad, but they go on. I mean, that sounds kind of practical. That seems practical, right? Uh, But they say that uh, in the guidance, uh, FinCEN has issued guidance confirming that Bitcoin exchanges will be subject to the Bank Secrecy Act and rules governing money transmitters. So they're saying you're going to have the transmitter rules, which is, you know, completely, I think, also reasonable, and I think it gives people a framework. But uh, they say, and this is key, Bitcoins are not funds. Money services businesses defined, and they give the place that it's defined in their bureaucratic documents, uh, say that uh, if you're engaged in the business of foreign exchange dealing in funds um, online, blah, 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 uh, you're not considered... I lost it. But it's... uh, I'm looking for it now. They just don't consider you a money transmitter because Bitcoins don't count as a money, I guess, in their terms, I guess. It does not view Bitcoins as funds within the meaning of their definitions. This means sub- it is it is this means subject to the scenarios outlined above, transmitting Bitcoins is not transmitting funds. So this is the key part. This is the part I was looking for. So if by transmitting Bitcoins, they do not consider you to be transmitting by funds via electronic transfer. And that is the key. That is a key thing that's going to differentiate it. Is that then that disqualifies it for a whole set of junk? Is my understanding because right. it's not con- transferring bitcoins is not considered transferring funds. So I think we're going to be seeing a lot of exchanges <laughs> come out of Canada. I think maybe. I mean, this stuff there's is- got to be a lot of fear around you know running these exchanges and stuff. I mean, look, I mean, with, with what the DHS is doing to uh, with Gox and everything, 
I mean, I would think that we, we would see a, a nice little explosion, at least to some degree, up uh, up north. Maybe. It's stuff is really, it's that. hard to parse all of this. So, like, I'm reading through it right now, and the languages are, they're vague and they're confusing. Um, I just, you know, it's I can understand why people get tripped up going through it, because I'm going through it right now, and it melts my brain. It mm. melts my brain. All right. Well, something that is creating waves is Ripple. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I made the joke. Nice. Yes, whatever. I know. <laughs> and, uh... Prime Interest is a new show on the uh, Russia Today network, and they went to the Bitcoin conference in San Jose, California last weekend, and they spoke with uh, a lot of different people down there, and they interviewed the CEO of OpenCoin, and uh, OpenCoin is the uh, business uh, entity behind Ripple, and uh, they spoke with Chris Larson. He's the CEO and co-founder of OpenCoin. And he talked a little bit about OpenCoin, and there's going to be some more resources for you guys in the show notes if you're RippleCoin curious. He touched on what I think is one of the major differentiating factors of RippleCoin, and I think it's probably the part that concerns me, and I want to talk about it with you, Drew, so I'm going to play this clip. So the structure that we've built to solve the double spend problem, which all math-based currencies have to solve, Bitcoin does it with mining, Ripple does it with something called consensus. It's basically a global ledger. Uh, everybody shares the ledger, and then there's a process of consensus, which is what solves the double spend problem. That structure allows us to have any currency in our payment system, uh, including Bitcoin, dollars, euro, yen, ruples, anything can be in. in what is the latency of that consensus system? And that's another key aspect. We, we, we thought that the confirmation times uh, that you have in a mining system like Sorry, bitcoins in bitcoin um we thought uh that you know e-commerce and payment systems um need to have a shorter period so in the in the consensus process of uh, ripple uh the consensus happens in a matter of seconds so more analogous to what you'd see in traditional uh, online payment systems but uh with the exception that uh in traditional payment systems you still haven't settled so the beauty of again bitcoin and ripple is that these are irreversible. So it's irreversible permanent light cash in a matter of seconds. So we've got the multi-currency, the speed. And then one final thing is just since we don't have mining, um, all of the ripples are already created. Right. That, and that's another important distinction between some of the other cryptocurrencies in yours. And what do you see the advantages of that being? Yeah, you know, it's a great, a great point. So um, by doing away with mining as the uh, solution to the double spend issue, um, we can create all of the ripples in the global ledger from the beginning. We, we did that six months ago. Um, and now what we can do is basically give away uh, more than half of it. We'll be giving about half of the, the ripples that we created. So we'll give away about 50 billion. And why that's important is that, again, going to utility, again, trust utility liquidity, if you can get this new currency, and therefore new payment system, in the hands of tens of millions of people by giving it away, you therefore create more utility because there's more people in the network, and, and that is good for everybody. So we think that, uh, again, helps with the success of the overall network. And then the final part is the liquidity part. And you talk about giving away 50%. What happens to the other 50%? Yeah, the other percent is what we're using, uh, some of that for the company, some of that for the original founders that will take the risk of being the creators uh, of the currency. So we wanted to sort of shield the, the uh, open coin from uh, sort of the being the creators of the currency. Um, the company really should be the software creator and should be the promoting the network to constructive uh, uses. But pretty much that other uh, percentage of the currency goes to hire, uh, you know, the best engineering team of cryptographers and security experts and developers, as well as promoting the network, make sure we have 
gateways globally, which, you know, help put other so It sounds like a regular business, like you have costs and you have to be able to attract money, you have to pay your bills, and that's really what this is going to do? You know, and I think that's the way we do look at it. Mm. So, did you catch what might bother me about some of that? part that bothers me is, is they created all of it and then they keep a part of it. Half of it? Yeah, that's a big chunk. Uh, so if must be nice. You know, I guess, um, yeah, so this is a huge difference, right? So that all of the Ripple coins have already been created, right? Completely different right, than what right. we just got done talking about with Bitcoin. Right. And uh, they're all in the public ledger already, and they're going to divvy them out. This, to me, now when people call Bitcoin a Ponzi scheme, I think, okay, you don't actually know what the definition of a Ponzi scheme is. You should go look it up. Now, I'm about to say that about Ripple, because to me, this seems a bit like a Ponzi scheme, because there is a central person who gets richer as more people come on, and the early adopters become dramatically more. It is a pyramid. It is, a, it yeah, is yeah. to me, it seems like a pyramid. Now, that said, I could see some logic, because you need uh, you need an entity, you need a force, sort of like canonical behind Ubuntu, right? You need right. somebody who can drive it, somebody who has vision, so, and then you need to fund that. And he said, you know, he said gateways, I maybe he means payment exchanges around the world, so maybe they would implement their own exchanges and, and get rid of the Mt. Gox problem. I mean, you could see some logistics there if somehow maybe Ripple was worth something, so you could buy things for the company that they needed with those Ripple coins. Um I don't know. And I, as Ripple, as an, as, an, as an exchange medium, I could see that as potentially being useful. Um, I, I also, I, I, I think the confirmation thing is a bit of a white herring, although I could be wrong, but... It's, I, not, it's not too big of a problem with Bitcoin, right? I mean, well, I or think double, the double spending and the speed, it's uh, not that big of a deal. Doesn't BitInstant operate at zero or one confirmations for merchants? Yeah, and a lot of a lot of uh, companies do that that accept bitcoins. Like they're not very they're not very concerned about you know double spending and getting multiple confirmations yeah, in order to that, that release is, this product or this currency to. You know? That has been my experience as well. In fact, uh, some some casinos in some cases will even show your balance before they've even gotten a, a confirmation at all, uh, which is kind of fun because then you get the you literally get the money <laughs> instantly. Um, and I, I, so I don't know if I, I I don't know if that is a big enough problem to justify a complete reworking of the system to me it almost seems like two philosophical differences you have bitcoin which is a grassroots backed by the people controlled by the people either. empowered by the people makes the people richer then you have ripple coin which is a lot of the really great ideas from bitcoin uh with some organization and some and some stink behind it yeah and, in, and more of a top-down kind of some degree of centralization and also their um i've heard that their server platform is not open source also so People should think about that. Right. They call the they call part of it like an open standard, but I don't think the code's actually open. So yeah, there's the whole open source aspect too, which is which is which is a integral part in the whole trust factor of Bitcoin. Because when right. people say, "Well, this thing could be a scam," you can say, "Well, hire yourself a good uh, programmer, and he'll audit the code for you." Indeed. Uh, so I think you know uh, uh, the RT show Prime Interest called it the next generation Bitcoin because that's what Ripple's <laughs> calling it. I think that's. Um, shooting a little high there. I yeah, know. I mean, it, it'll probably serve some need, right? The transa the transactions, I think, are really quick, I guess, is, is how it works, right? Because they have... Well, and you if know, you could use it to transfer actual USD between people directly. Yeah, I mean... Or yeah. whatever, or rubles or whatever, right? I mean, that, I, I, could see, uh, I could see a little benefit in that. Yeah, it's just not solving, like, any, you know, like, glaring problems within Bitcoin that I can see. Like, I, I'm not buying into it. Well, people can always let us know. Send us in your feedback, you guys, if... Uh, if you know differently, uh, but in the meantime, somebody somebody else who seems to know differently are Bit Angels, a new VC investment group. But this one's with a twist, Drew. 
a twist. It's got a twist. Uh, a so twist. today we've hit yet another milestone. Entrepreneurs eyeing the Bitcoin market will be pleased to learn that BitAngels is launching what it believes to be the first multi-city angel network and incubator created to invest exclusively in cryptocurrency startups. Fittingly, as in the spirit of Bitcoin, it is a distributed network of angels and entrepreneurs, and one of those, and it was, as such, was hacked together at the Bitcoin 2013 conference. It's been kind of all thrown together pretty quick, but it's actually led by some well-established investors. Uh, it looks like they've pulled together already $6.7 million in Bitcoin, and they'll be investing approximately 20, 000, in 20,000 chunks. So if you want to get 20, hey, we could use 20,000 for the Plan B show. <laughs> yeah, really, I'm down. <laughs> Send them our way. Uh, uh, all 60 angels that have joined thus far, and uh, that's which is almost double in the last week, are all accredited investors with extensive experience investing and naturally have a lot of Bitcoin. Some of them have mined the Bitcoins and some of them had bought at low prices. I think that's really awesome. They're going to have three on-site locations, one in Austin, one in San Francisco, and one in New York. Uh, and the network of investors includes people like Gift CEO, Vin Lingram, and uh, I think uh, I think this is actually a really positive thing, and I like the idea that sort of this sort of distributed, loose VC group of people who are in good position, who have some investing experience, who have some Bitcoin, and uh, instead of going through some huge bank, they're kind of just working directly with the people. Yeah, and they're. I mean, also the article had said that they're they're looking to like kind of mentor people. Like they, I guess they have some kind of some degree of some program to to get people up to speed, and you know, some kind of some kind of some degree of training, some degree of help. So it's, they're not just you know chuck, you know, tossing money at them and walking away. Well, even like, like just doing this incubator thing I and mean, just giving people a spot to come in and have power, internet, and a roof over their head to work is huge for some people. Yeah, yeah, I true. like that. Um, and that was kind of you know something the Y Combinator got rolling, and it's it seems to have really taken off because it's sort of sort of key. You know, they mentioned gift. I I'm I I'm very proud to say that I bought like a whole week's worth of meat today using Bitcoin. <laughs> I did. I I uh, I bought a gift. Uh, where's my thing? I can't, can't remember how much I got. Oh, it's in the other room. But I bought on uh, using gift on Android. I funded an Omaha Steaks uh, gift card. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. And then Great I went. Way to cash out. And then I went and bought some meat. Um. So you know, then when it gets, here, I'll tell the wife, "Hey, I bought this meat with." Uh, with yeah, Bitcoin. we saved a bunch of money today. We got it for free. One of the things that has come up on the show a couple of times, Drew, we, I think we got an email two weeks ago where somebody said, hey, guys, do you ever think Bitcoin could become the reserve currency in our lifetime? And uh, there was a clip from an investor, Trace Mayer, at uh, Bitcoin Conference, also on the Prime Interest Show. And I went and grabbed that, too, because I thought he had some interesting thoughts on the topic. I want to play it and then we'll discuss. As far as it becoming a, a world reserve currency, I mean, maybe in 20 or 30 years at the most, we might have five different, uh, like, reserve currencies, a dollar, a euro-ish based one, a South American one, and then an Asian one like yuan yen, and then, you know, an asset, an equity based one like a gold slash Bitcoin. And Bitcoin would be like a local currency for the internet, in my opinion. What do you think it's going to take for the United States to lose the world reserve currency status? Well, they can just do more of the same. <laughs> uh, but really, like the United States is, in my opinion, is not going to lose its 
it's got a, a very dominant position, and a lot of that has to do just with the geography. It's endowed with you know natural resources. It has everything it needs. A very highly educated populace. It's got energy. The the natural uh, landscape with the rivers and the tributaries and the two Great coasts. Plains. Two coasts. It's isolated. I mean, all of these things gives it a tremendous competitive advantage. And there's really no other region in the world besides perhaps Brazil that has a map that can uh, lead to a potential competition with it. Now, all that being said, all empires end for economic reasons. And the United States is definitely uh, doing more of the same in terms of you know running up a huge budget deficit, uh, having to keep interest rates low, which will innervate the economy. And so it's, and, and as it restricts those liberties and freedoms, it's going to restrict its economic productivity and the people with the capital are just going to leave. They're out of here. They're going to get out of here. So he says, I think his premise is, is pretty sound. It's not going to, it's not like one day Bitcoin's going to come along and decrown and dethrone the U.S. dollar as a reserve currency. It's going to be more like there's going to be several reserve currencies and one of them might be an asset backed currency and bitcoin might be part of that like basket of goods. Yeah, I like what he's saying. I mean, it, it makes sense. So. Yeah. And uh he it was about overall a pretty good interview, it was about 15 minutes long. I'll link to the full interview both with uh Travis and with Chris Larson, both prime two different episodes of Prime Interest. The uh, interviews are about midway into the show. Drew, uh I want to talk about uh our Litecoin troubles, and then we've got a, a correction to make from last week. You sent me from what was it for the guys on the We Mine LTC site put up a uh, little uh, little post about the different uh, Litecoin pools having troubles, right? They're yeah, a crazy a bunch of, night. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so there's I mean there's some weird stuff I guess that was going on with uh, a couple different uh, Litecoin mining pools. So a lot a lot like uh, they were averaging I think like a hundred blocks or something like that. Or, uh, yeah, finding a hundred blocks, or whatever. But um, they noticed that their numbers significantly dropped. So they're like, is this, is this, we got some bad luck? Or like, is there some kind of system problem going on? And apparently it was affecting multiple uh, mining pools. So they got together with some devs and I guess they're, they're working on an issue. I, I, I don't know specifically what it is, but uh, some, some funny business was going on. It, it seems a little weird because they're being vague in, in the post here. Uh, they're yeah, not... and they're working with developers, but they're like, that's all they're saying, right? We're working with the developers pretty much is and, all I got. And like here, they say things like, as soon as the issue came up the network on the network tonight, we got, it, we got on right away. LTC is okay. No need to panic. LTC devs are taking the topic and things very seriously and working hard. Uh, it's what's going on, Drew? I I got no idea because I mean they I mean they haven't made any changes to the way in which you know the network operates, so I, I don't know. I gotta be honest. Um, my my mining rigs have been for the most part they've been offline since uh, about about Friday of last week. Starting to pull out, man. Yeah, I'm just I'm just not seeing a lot of uh, Litecoin action. Uh, yeah, I know it's sad, and I think one of the one of the things that was really that really boosted Litecoin in the beginning was uh, the fact that that Gox is going to be trading it. But uh, right. the, the favor in terms of the uh, the Gox realm is not going too well. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to be a significant factor. Yeah, they seem to see. be busy these days, and the other exchanges that accepted aren't really big enough to move the really. move the needle. Right, right. So yeah, we may. I mean, maybe nothing will come of it. Maybe we're just uh, you know. Well, in the houses, you know, in our chat with the big Bit Vegas guy, which by the way, Bit Vegas is rolling out a big update to their casino oh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, six morning. stories of a bunch of different games, like six stories coming out. What, like nine a.m. tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, nine a.m. Pacific. Uh, I, 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 I've watched Litecoin now for a little while, and it just seems to kind of be stagnant. 
it doesn't really seem to be moving anywhere. And I, I, I guess that's because it's just people don't have a need for it as much as I mean, Bitcoin's filling that need that they need that they yeah, have, I, mean, I guess. Right. Cause it doesn't really do anything, you know, crazy that, that, that Bitcoin doesn't. So, I mean, there's not, there's not much of a need to you to utilize it over Bitcoin and, yeah. and everybody who knows about Litecoin knows about Bitcoin, but it's not the other way around. So I just kind of shut my, my systems. I think I'm going to turn them back on. In fact, one of them is back on right now, but uh, you're pulling out too, aren't you? Uh, yeah, it's supposed to get 90 degrees here in a couple of days. <laughs> and, uh, being a, a frugal person, I don't use AC, so uh, <laughs> I'm thinking about selling my uh, my AMD card. So if anybody's interested, I got a gigabyte uh, 7950. If anybody wants to hit me up, and I will sell it for bitcoins. Nice, two hundred fifty bucks. You know, hey. price in bitcoins, whatever the price is at the time. Free shipping. Do we uh, do we put do we put your uh, G plus profile in the in the show notes? Yeah, I'm in the show notes, or you yeah. can find us at uh, Plan B at Jupiter Broadcasting. I check that stuff out all the time. That's true. That's true. Uh, so yeah, I'm not totally done. But I'm definitely starting to get like a little meh on it, and and I guess I feel like uh, I should just maybe hold in a little, hold out a little longer, and see if something comes along. Because you just got to figure out these ASICs coming online. These GPU guys are going to go somewhere. I mean, they already yeah. are. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, we had a great e- uh, a great voicemail that came in about uh, that that number of confirmations discussion that we had recently, and uh, sort of you know set us straight because we didn't. I don't think we did a very good job of answering. Yeah, it. no, we didn't. So he took care of the problem. Hi, Sadiq. I just wanted to answer that question that uh, you read about the number of confirmations being different with different transactions. As far as the transaction fee goes, that only affects the first confirmation. If it has zero confirmations and it has zero, you know, no uh, transaction fee or a very low one, it could take a while before it gets the first confirmation because it has to have a miner that is willing to accept a no transaction fee or a very low one. And if it has a higher fee, it'll, it'll be accepted right away, most probably. Once it gets into one block, once you get uh, one trans- one confirmation, go from zero to one, then the other confirmations are automatic. Uh, as soon as another block is generated, it has nothing to do with that transaction. That, that transaction is already in its block. The second the, the block that comes after it is other transactions. And that counts as a second transaction only because it has come after it. So you get one trans- one confirmation, uh, so the next block comes along, nothing to do with the, that transaction, all of that, but that transaction, because it's in the previous block, it has two confirmations. Another block comes along, it has three confirmations. It's, it's pretty simple. Just another block comes along, that's how many confirmations you have. Eventually, you're going to have, you know, hundreds of thousands of confirmations, but, but there's only one block where you, your transaction was actually included in. Um, I really recommend, if anyone has any kind of, mathematical or programming background at all, to just give a shot and read uh, Satoshi's original white paper. And once you understand that white paper, a lot of, of these concepts will be very clear and obvious to you. I have I'm, I've been a programmer for a long time, and I have a math degree, and it took me a while. It took me three times, I think, reading that white paper before I finally got everything. So it is a little challenging, but it's it's a short thing, and it's very concise, very tight, about six pages. Just Google Satoshi white paper and give it a shot. Take take a, an hour or so and just read it a few times, and you will really understand all this stuff. So it will be very clear. Thanks a lot, and uh, I really love the show, and uh, thanks a lot. Bye. Go indulge in the wisdom of the Satoshi. He left us another voicemail, oh, but... Uh, yeah. We pay our robot monkeys in Bitcoin, and uh, we exceeded our, our funding limit. If you would like to help the show out with that funding limit, uh, we'll have a uh, 
donate or slash tip address in the show notes. If uh, you're over at our show notes and want to toss us a few, we'll uh, gra- graciously accept that donation to help with our costs of producing the Plan B show. I have the QR code up on the screen for uh, those of you watching the on-demand version. But uh, Drew, I-, I wanted to thank him for clearing that up for us because I think that uh, that was something we-, we didn't do a very good job. We kind of got we got the basics of the question answered, but uh, he yep. explained it so much better where uh, each block that's confirmed afterwards is sort of a second transaction on top of that. And it's sort of a, guess what, forms a big chain. Yeah, and the, guy, the guy's original question was a little confusing too because he left some parts out because he said that he, he, turned, he sent one amount here and then one amount over here. So I was thinking that they were at the same time because his concern was why did this one get so many more conf- confirmations than the other one? So, I mean, it could be that a miner just leaves it out when it solves the next block and yeah. it's just kind of sitting in queue waiting to be included in the next one. So, I mean, he didn't mention transaction fees or anything, but I think the difference between the confirmation, the numbers of confirmations between the two transactions were pretty significant. So, they, they must have been sent at different times because there was like there was like a 50 confirmation difference between the two. Right, I recall. Yes, that's right. That's right. We'll, ne- we'll never know, Drew, unless he tells yep. us. Unless he tells us. So, uh, again, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, please do give us a call. We uh, have uh, the phone number listed in our show notes if you forget it, but it's one 587 5262 And, you know, I think sometimes people dr- uh, text us when they're a little drunk. Have you noticed that? Well, I mean, I'm trying to copy like six different text messages over into uh, Slexi there. <laughs> so, I mean, if you got a if you got a giant thing, send us an email. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't send. Thing. Don't send like five or six text messages. Yeah, there was five or six texts, and 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 one of those. Uh, the first feedback we did, I think, was uh, six different text messages. <laughs> so here I am, copy and pasting. Really? Yeah. That wasn't an email. It was all. It was all a series it, of texts oh, yep. that you compiled. It was all text messages. Oh, dude, I didn't know that. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, good on you, sir. Good on you. All right, well, uh, as we wrap up here, just a quick reminder, we have the subreddit over at planbshow.reddit.com where you su- can suggest things and uh, send in links for the show for us to follow up on or uh, start a discussion thread over there. We also have uh, links to our social profiles on Google Plus in the show notes if you want to get a hold of us that way, like get in contact with Drew. Hey, and, hey. Uh, you know, join us every Tuesday. We'd love to have you guys in our chat room. It's a great way. And please uh, help spread the word about the show. Send it to somebody who might be interested in Bitcoin. We appreciate reviews and comments in the iTunes store. Those help other people find our show and keep us listed in the rankings, which is great for Bitcoin's visibility as well. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning to this week's episode of Plan B. We'll see you right back here next week.